0: four five one four two two zero I got something for your mind, body and soul I got something for your mind Body and Soul Good podcast, Phil. You found the Bystander Podcast. Your host is Tiny Tim on the microphone here with Christy Carr. How are you this morning?
1: Doing well. Thanks.
0: Good. Um, The Kid Casual is going to have a conversation with our former senior planner of the city of Bainbridge Island and former city council member now, right? Correct. And now you're over on the waterside doing environmental analysis for Seattle, correct?
1: Yes, I'm an environmental analyst for the Department of Construction and Inspections in Seattle, city of Seattle.
0: Can you fit that on a business card?
1: (laughs) You know, they never gave me any. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Cutbacks. (laughs) Yeah. I want to move this mic a little closer to you. Thank you. Um, I brought you in here because I wanted to meet you. Um, I've heard lots of good things about you. I was wondering how you made the transfer from the city planning department to city council member and why... You left that position for not as glamorous of a spot in city council.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, it wasn't a, a direct transition. Um, uh-huh. I left my job as a city planner. Um, I kind of had had professionally tapped out. I think. Um, more or less in terms of what options were for advancing in my career. Um, it was clear I wasn't going to be the planning director, so mm. there wasn't really anything else for me to do there. Um, a job opportunity came up in Seattle uh, that I thought would be good for me. Um, it would allow a, a more diverse uh, customer group as well as more diverse Um, project type. Um, I had kind of seen it all on Bainbridge in five years, Um, and so going over to the bigger pond, if you will, Mm -hmm. was exciting for me for a few reasons. Um, That being said, uh, once I did leave my role in the planning department and the opportunity came up to be on council, I thought, you know, maybe I'm not quite done yet. Um, There were some things that I hadn't finished, and I thought, I've got a skill set it seems the council could use, um, so... It was an easy throw your ring in the hat. I didn't have to run a campaign and and go through an election. So yeah. I, tell me, yeah.
0: tell us, uh, podcastville here, how how that happens? Like, was it were you taking Matt Turman's spot? Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Matt. Hope you're listening. Hope you're doing well. When he decided to uh, leave, did they just round up a bunch of people that they knew and? ask if you guys would put your Not name in the hat?
1: No, it, it was a formal application process, so there was a, an actual application that you filled out. And there were um,
0: Nobody and, took you to the front of the line?
1: Nobody did, no. Uh, um, you know, I had known and worked with most of the council people because of my job, um, so I at least had some familiarity with them and, of course, how council worked because I sat at a lot of council meetings. Um, and so I, I gave most of them, actually, I gave all of them a call beforehand and just said, Hey, you know, I'm thinking of applying, um, what do you think? Uh, -hmm. and so had pretty good conversation with each of the council members beforehand, um, really to get a sense of, um, should I do this? Am I crazy? Um, and, uh, and you know, they didn't scare me off. So I thought, all right, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And yeah, so there was a application process with a, a list of questions, um, that were, you know, just kind of typical questions um, about background and, and your vision for the city, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. And then we went through a, a Zoom um, interview process, um, which was pretty excruciating. Um, and I think there were seven candidates um and that was a long, long meeting. Um, but by at the end of the meeting, they they then retreat to executive session to discuss it. They don't vote in executive session, just like during on any issue. It's mm-hmm. you, they do that in public, um, and so then they voted in public at that meeting. And um, it was there was a little drama at the end, but and ultimately, I was unanimously selected.
0: Little drama. Um, there's been so much drama during your tenure. Not. Mm-hmm. And you've stayed out of the fray, which is impressive in its own right. Um, Looking back on it, do you feel like it was a crazy move now?
1: No, no, not at all. I mean, I think definitely it gave me some gray hair. um, And I think that I learned a lot probably about myself more than anything else. My learning curve on council wasn't that steep because, again, I had a background. I, mm-hmm. I knew what an ordinance was. I'd written a bunch of them. Um, I kind of knew what was going on. I'm, of course, I don't know everything, and I was learning about budget and more things about public works and finance, etc. But um, you know, I kind of knew the knew the scene. Um, I think that politics was brand new to me Um, Mm -hmm. that was eye-opening and I think in terms of the fray and staying out of it it's it's really hard it's really easy to get caught up in it and to to buy into the spin and to start to be a political person or entity Um, and I I didn't like that and I didn't Mm -hmm. like who I could become Um, I could be good at it I think because I, I can see how it works But it's not ultimately how I really want to operate. Um, I think the other thing, too, is, you know, I could have probably done it longer. I could have run. And if if I were elected, I I would have done it and probably enjoyed it. Um, I think there's a lot to learn about being a leader and an effective leader and a bold Mm -hmm. leader. Um, I was enjoying kind of coming into that. Um, And. The, the difference between being on staff and being on council and and they make it very clear that you need to stay in your lane and we're a city manager um, council form of government, so um, you know council's got a specific role that's in the state statute and you're supposed to do things and you're not supposed to do things and so having come from the, the the staff side, I knew how things worked, and so sometimes it was frustrating to see that things weren't working or they weren't working as quickly as I thought they could but um I, again, I just had to stay in my lane. Um, and so that was somewhat frustrating. I tend to be a worker bee. I like to do the work. Mm-hmm. I like to show up prepared. I like to offer solutions. I like to figure out how to do things and how to move them forward. Um, but that's not always what what the what the deal is, being on but council. What
0: ultimately made you decide not to return?
1: Um, well... We were just talking about mental health before going on air, and I think that's a big one. Um, I do have to kind of be more honest with myself in terms of what I can really handle. I have a full-time job. Mm -hmm. Um, I am a parent of a sophomore, um, and I like to have a life. Um, I think I... I kind of, being on council is a little bit like being in grad school. It's always there, it's always hanging over your head. Mm -hmm. And I think I got to the point where I would even just be at the dinner table with my son and I wasn't listening to him. I was thinking about the next meeting or I was thinking about the last email I got. That's bad
0: headspace, right? And
1: that's not good headspace. Um, I also think, you know, I have, I think people know if they know me or my council work, I have a skill set or background in land use planning. I think there's a ton to get done right now in that realm. Yeah. Um, but there's an interim planning director and there's a pretty brand new city manager and there's a brand new council. And again, because I understand how to get things done and I think I have a pretty good handle on what needs to get done, not necessarily the outcomes, but I, I understand the process and, and the things that we need to be doing as a city related to land use. Um, I thought that was – I think that's going to be on a really slow pace for the next 18 to 24 months just because mm-hmm. of where we are with staff and council, frankly. And um, I think that would just be too frustrating for me. Um, and going too slow, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, and just maybe not going in the right direction. Um, and uh, and I think, you know, I got to be appointed. I didn't run a campaign. And, and that – and running a campaign was seemed kinda scary. Um mm-hmm. I mean I, I generally got positive feedback when I was on council from constituents. Um but um that's a really vulnerable space. Um and I just don't think I was really mentally again up for doing that. Um so I just I kinda just took the pass on it.
0: Yeah, I think city council in general is a vulnerable space.
1: It mm. very much is so. And I think that people don't Recognize that or realize that. Um,
0: they don't realize those people are our neighbors.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's number one. We're all neighbors. We all live on this yeah. island. and And sure, folks might think city council people have big egos or they have hidden agendas. But...
0: Are you here to say they don't?
1: I'm not going to say (laughs) they don't. Um, I mean, certainly ego plays a role. Um, I mean, you have to have some sense of self and ego to do that because, Mm -hmm. again, it's a process that you're putting yourself through to go through an an election and a Uh, campaign.
0: Ego seems like such a bad driver. It is.
1: It is. And I think that that was disappointing to me to find out that that was such a big part of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that I got caught up in that and I realized – I don't need to own anything. I need to push forward things that are good for the community, and I will work with people um, to that end. Um, and so, I think that it took me a while to realize that and get my feet under that. Um, mm-hmm. But it is hard on a on a day to day basis to deal with people and personalities who who aren't necessarily willing to do that. You know, the proverbial olive branch or you go first, or um, we're all in this together. Or I don't like you, but you have a good idea, so let's go for it. Go with it. Um, you know, it's just um, I don't do a lot of drama in my life and in my work and in my profession, and so drama is isn't isn't something I really want to be a part of. And then when that starts to become, you know, outweigh the the work, um, then I get less interested in in doing the work, which is what. Yeah. I guess frustrated me as well is, is that I, I was, you know, I just got to, I got to a point at times where it's just like, pff,
0: yeah, totally. Why bother? I mean, I've, I think I've talked to every single council member except one, which I probably won't. <laughs> um, but I felt like there was a lack of transparency when I moved here to the island. Um, that was back in Doug Schultz days. And, uh, Doug was one of my first interviews uh, as as well as Cole being the mayor. Um, I just wanted more information what was going on and why it was going on and now I've interviewed so many people that politics is in me which never were before. You know, I couldn't tell a democrat from a republican or or whatever. And now I've done many many podcasts around podcast uh politics and have enjoyed it somewhat but when it comes to city council now, I feel I'm even burnt out on that because it seems like total drama island and we can't get into the into the weeds of good conversations about land use and such because there's always some type of drama uh, hanging over the city council. Did you feel like it was a bit of a circus at times? I don't want it, you to throw anybody under the no, bus. No, of course it was a circus at times. You're gone, um, so yeah, and Shoot. and I
1: was a part of it. And I'm not when I'm speaking of council during. What do you my mean ten- you were part of it? I'm, I, uh, I mean, I was there. I think that we all well, there's seven people. We all yeah, but share our responsibility. You never stuck out. Well, I mean, I appreciate that, but. Um,
0: and when I mean stuck out, I means stuck out in a negative way <laughs> over something.
1: Um, you know, with, again, it's, it's uh, you know, just like we're an island community, we're all responsible for our community. We're we a city council, we're all responsible for that city council. So mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not I, I stuck out in a negative way, um, you know, I could have stuck out in a more positive way. So um, I think that it's challenging. It is, it's really hard. I mean, you do have seven different people um, going seven different ways at times. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we're not you know, we're all nonpartisan. People don't run as a Democrat or Republican or, or whatever. Um, but it's frustrating if you step back and you realize that on a policy level, most of the time at this point in time, council is on the same page. And so when they can't get together and move things forward on things they agree about, then then it's just, just yeah. maddening because – because things are getting in the way that shouldn't get in the way. Um, kind of back to transparency or or what's going on. One thing I did try to do when I was on council was work with the interim or acting city manager um, on our work plan. Because... I think that we could have – we could use the city's work plan as a really good communication tool with the community, and we could t- pick – the council could pick 10 things that you're going to work on, and you could have milestones associated mm-hmm. with it and timeline, and and it could be used out to share out what the council is doing and also to hold the council accountable because you mentioned Cole as mayor. One thing that he did was he initiated this – on the wall, you know, they talked about yeah. their goals that were on the wall, um, and when I was was um, applying to be on the council, I went back. I think they started that in 2018, so I went back and and got the 2018, 19, and 20 um, on the wall goals, and half of them were just gone. Like, where did they go, and why weren't they done, or did you do them? Mm-hmm. And can we celebrate some success and so there 's really it 's when I was in the planning department, we called it the shiny squirrel because something was always coming in the door that that took your attention away from what you were doing, and I think that that 's really the the way that council now operates um, and They need to stay on track. And I thought if we had a work plan and that we attached it to every agenda and we said, oh, this is our work plan. And when a council person wanted to bring something on, walk it onto an agenda or to have it on a future agenda, we could say, no, look, we've got this work plan. Mm -hmm. It doesn't fit in. Or are we going to take something off? Because when you just kept adding and adding and adding to the work, that's plan, when the
0: meetings started getting four to six hours, right?
1: Exactly, and and you you didn't get done what you said you wanted to get done, mm-hmm. or that you said you would get done. And so I think that the city as an organization, and along with the council, needs to work on that organizational infrastructure. And I think that that would go a long way in helping people understand what the city's doing, and and to be more transparent because. I don't buy into the conspiracy theories. I don't buy into the back, back door conversations. I've sat in every chair. I've been in executive sessions as staff. I've been in executive sessions as a council member. I've sat in the planning director's office, the city manager's office, the city attorney's office. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not – I'm just doing the job. I've always just been, and I think most people are, And, um, but I think that there is still a need to – to establish better trust so that people aren't mistrustful and aren't assuming that people are doing things behind closed doors.
0: (laughs) We're skirting around a lot of things, which is what we should do, I guess. But um, don't you think that some of that stuff was happening? I mean, I I feel like I would see multiple council members meet for lunch or drinks or something, um, which... Felt like a backdoor meeting in my mind.
1: Well, three council people can meet whenever they want and talk about what. Yeah,
0: and there's table adjacent, right? <laughs>
1: See, I've never done that. I've actually yeah. never had lunch. I've never.
0: Nobody's buying you lunch, Christy. No,
1: dang it! Did I miss something? Yeah. Did I miss the memo on that? Um, you know, I was also in a different time because it was COVID. Um, I only oh, true. I only sat at the dais once, um, so you know I wasn't hanging out with anybody. Mm-hmm. So, maybe my experience was different because of that. Um, I sure I had Zoom meetings with uh, two other council people. Mm-hmm. Um, but um.
0: did it ever feel like you went into executive session and it seemed like all the ducks were in a row and then come out to a city council meeting and somebody would go south from what they had said in the initial conversation? No. No. Everybody's pretty true. Well, they I didn't think put that the little. Uh, Caveat on their vote or something. I'm going to vote yes for this, but no. You can't to, do that in can't.
1: in executive session. But you can't. You're, you're not. You're not count. You're not quote counting votes in executive session. That's not what it's for. Hmm. You can't. It's not not allowed. But it's. I mean, implied you, a bit, right? I mean, like, you can you can talk about it, and so one might be able to assess what someone how someone's going to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't remember any sort of drastic turnaround from executive session to on the dais um
0: yeah i can't pick an example right off my head right now but it seemed like there you would bat things around back and forth and then a vote would come and sometimes the votes were contrary to what i was hearing in the city council meeting so that's just well
1: and and, yeah and and
0: And people have the right to change their mind well
1: yeah yeah absolutely and i think that um uh I can say that, um, again, back to that vulnerable space of being on council, um, even not sitting in, in public at the dais, but just being on a Zoom meeting, um, you know, there's momentum in a meeting. Mm. Um, and there's a kind of a tide. Um, and I think that... Um,
0: ebbs and you're, flows. You're,
1: yeah. And you're also thinking real time. Um, there's also a level of preparedness, like how prepared were you for that meeting, um There can be um good public comment that makes you think and mm-hmm. potentially change your mind, so it 's not necessarily that someone 's flip flopping although that happens um, it could be that uh hey i 've thought about it, I have information, and i've changed my mind or so it is you know ultimately you 've got to vote mm-hmm. uh, and that's that can be hard i mean you don 't walk into every meeting knowing how you're going to vote or even have a high level of confidence in your vote votes can be hard you know this police station conversation has been around for 30 years Mm -hmm. and votes have changed over the years and priorities have changed over the years and how
0: do you see that washing out
1: i think that the city is going to build a police court facility on madison avenue Mm um i think that's going to happen uh whether or not it's the right place for a police court facility, or we paid too much for it. Um, those, Isn't there some are-
0: talk by Michael Pollack about um, trying to stop this in situation, building the police station and have it audit of the funds and stuff like that?
1: I am at this point a citizen just like you in terms of information. Mm. Um, And what I read in the paper and what I – if I tune into a city council meeting, that's the level of information I have. So my understanding is the council voted to put the bid package out for the Harrison facility. Um, And my understanding is that there was some sort of action or claim that may or may not be filed against the city related to the purchase. Um, Whether or not that moves forward, I don't know. Whether Mm -hmm. or not it's it's an action – that could stop it? I don't know that either.
0: Yeah, it seems silly to, in my opinion, and take that for what it's worth, to uh, try to stop this after we've already spent the money and we've had the public comment and we've had the meetings. And um, it is what it is. We we did pay a lot, and it's not ideal, but it's needed, and let's go forward. You know? I don't think we're going to return on that investment if we sold it and then we'd still be out of police station. Right. So I I don't know why there's so much pushback now after the fact about government spending on that particular site in, in general. Um, what are some of the things that you're most fond of accomplishing while you're on city council?
1: (laughs) Stay insane, I guess. it's an accomplishment. Yeah, no, you know, it's kind of funny. It's the little things. I I drive by um, the Grand Forest entrance, and people who use the Grand Forest probably don't like my accomplishment, but uh, I got no parking signs put up along Mm -hmm. the the east side of the road next to the entrance um, because people were parking uh, on the shoulder that we paid money to put in for bicycle and pedestrian use. Um,
0: And I'm so thankful that roads widened. That.
1: I like it. Yeah, I think yeah. that it's a it was it's a good learning experience for us. Um,
0: Same with Eagle Harbor. You know, I would like to see a a, re- a guardrail between the road and the bicycle path. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's ever in the works. So it's there's some type of protection, right? I have, I have a a fear of that road myself because I had a bad bicycle accident, but that was before. The widening it can mm-hmm. come, and there seem to be a lot of false white lines, you know, and very little shoulder and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I'm I'm thankful that a few of these roads that are traveled highly are are getting widened.
1: Yeah, I probably have a lot more to say than anyone's interested in on on cycling and, and sustainable transportation infrastructure. No,
0: I think it's uh, uh, it's really important to this this island.
1: It is, yeah. And actually, one of the first things I did when I moved to the island was volunteer to be on um, the city's first non-motorized transportation plan, mm-hmm. um, sort of some committee related to something. It was 20 years ago. It's hard to remember. Uh, so I've kind of been paying attention for quite a long time. Um, and uh, I um, I think that concrete, uh, you know, widened, widened shoulders um, – take concrete they take carbon um they take money um and they're not necessarily going to get us to the sustainable multimodal transportation network that the island needs Mm -hmm. um you know i intended to ride my bike here today but i didn't and it wasn't because there's not a separated path for me um because I wanted my hair to look nice, and I have I'm meeting someone for lunch afterwards. It's cold outside, and you know a lot of other factors that yeah. that separated bike lanes aren't aren't going to make disappear. Um, lower speed limits, I think, we need to to address on a comprehensive island wide level. And mm-hmm. I know people don't like that. We can do a lot with traffic calming. I think we can be a lot more tactical with um, separation in terms of where it's really needed. Um, you know, I'm really excited about the the project at um buckland hill um right by Hyla. you know i think that that's a, a spot that we really do need to address
0: tell me about that i'm not familiar um, i know where the location is um, yeah well project. i mean
1: it's just it's just got it's a weird intersection yeah. right because it's got all sorts of different roads coming in and out and it's a blind intersection blind corner, yeah. and the road's in a bad spot and there is a fire station and a school so um in terms of the the I just think that it's a it's it's a small location where something needs to be done, um, and so I think they're just widening the they're just providing shoulders, but I don't actually know. But the project is, but it is mm-hmm. on the list. I think for the next year or two. So I think that we have a limited amount of money, right? In the last levy for multimodal failed, pretty bad, dra- pretty dramatically. I voted
0: against against it, and I was a big pro- proponent of having one.
1: I voted against it, too, and and frankly, I'll probably vote against the next one. Um, I think that we have to understand that there's a segment of our community that's never going to ride their bike, and they may not be up for walking places. Um, Well,
0: I don't want to take 14 to 20 years to to build something, too, that I'm never going to see or is going to be obsolete by the time it's finally built, and I felt like it was a million dollars a block, and there was no – specific area that it was going to and it was going to just be loose change that the city could play with um that was kind of the reasons that i didn't vote yeah for the uh, yeah mobility
1: right um you know madison's a pretty good example the city council's looking at doing a good thing which is bundling projects um right out by the fire station and the highway and and south to i think maybe winslow um, you know, a sidewalk project, a bike lane, separated bike lane, and then they've got some water and sewer to do. So they want to do it at the same time, which mm-hmm. there's some efficiencies there. Um, but in terms of putting in a separated bike lane, when you have grow and you have level, where those are probably more appropriate places for bicycles and walkers to be in the first place. Because there's less traffic. Right. Correct. Um, and and so there there are no data to, about ridership or counts right now in terms of who's riding where in that corridor, and it's a five million dollar project. And so it's acknowledged that we we may not even need to do that to have those non motorized improvements. Um, the design I don't think works, um, and. Even if it's like a pilot project, which I've heard some council people say, well, we may not need it, but it's a good thing to have because people will see what separated bike lanes look like. Well, a f- a, that is a very urban, non-motorized treatment and, and design, mm-hmm. and it doesn't belong anywhere else on the island. So there's no reason to have a pilot project so that we can see how this You're facility- not going to duplicate it no, elsewhere? No, It would not be appropriate anywhere else on the island. That being said, we talk about we need to have – why would we have more improvements in Winslow? Our own buildable lands analysis says that 70% of our growth uh, capacity is outside of Winslow. So we need to be able to get people to Winslow, not necessarily in and around Winslow. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like we sometimes look at things – we're not even thinking about the land use transportation connection enough. Um, because our, our our land use and our transportation system, um, they, they don't match up very well. And it's probably one of the most challenging pieces of a non-motorized transportation or transportation network in general. I mean, it's something that I heard about in grad school 20 years ago, mm-hmm. like over and over and over, the land use transportation connection. Uh, we don't do it very well on the island. Uh, and I think that we just need to think more about how we get people between places, Um mm-hmm.
0: I really like the Sto Trail, the Sound to Olympics Trail. It's nice to have all those bikes off the highway at the at the f- when the ferry just lets out and stuff, lets the cars yeah. rush on ahead and you know gets the bikes off the road. It's nice. It's very walkable too.
1: I've used it. I, I mean, I don't commute on the ferry anymore. I did. I used to live on the north end of the island for five years, and I rode my bike on and off the ferry. Um, I never took three hundred five. Um, at that point, I would go mm-hmm. up uh, Erickson, um, and then pop out at Madison and take the highway there. Um, so, in terms of a commuter resource, I don't know how m- how useful it is. I still see people on the three hundred five shoulder because yeah. it makes you go straight up a hill, and cyclists don't want to do that necessarily. I like the STO though as a as a community member, I use it. It's a cool walking and biking route. Mm-hmm. Um, I have used it um, just kind of in not in a commuter but in a transportation way as, as well as a recreation way. I think it's a good facility. I think it was ridiculously controversial. Um, I think – You've got to get a sh- give a shout out to Don Walat for that facility because he worked on that for twenty years. I mean, he's had that vision, and I think that um, he's an example of someone who, um, who, who really understands how you can get things done and has an incredible amount of patience um, to see things through. Mm-hmm. Um, so, unfortunately, that was uh, you know bunches of trees came down and the city didn't handle that well, and so well.
0: At the same time, they put the you can't cut your own tree down at your own home and then they clear cut a whole pathway for bicycles and it was a little hypocritical and it just got done from the Visconti property too where Mm -hmm. people were chaining themselves to trees Uh and stuff and you got a little tree hugging happy for a while there.
1: Yes. Yeah, it has come down a little bit. I think that, uh, I think residents who have trees they want to manage or take down um, have a valid... Uh, point about um, mm-hmm. the maybe the discrepancy between the built environment um, what comes down as part of some sort of infrastructure or um, development and then what mm-hmm. they can or can't do or the process and the length of time and the money they have to spend to take down a tree yeah. um, or the get to get told they can't um,
0: well it's frustrating too as an observer seeing um, like across from rotary there. Those McMansions went in, mm-hmm. and they weren't required to build out a sidewalk in front. It was up to the developer, and then there was not trees that needed to be re- that needed to be replaced along with the the houses. You know, there was a lot of clear cut there, but then the builder didn't have to continue to plant. You know, x amount of trees. Um, so that's a developmental a development project. And then let's say you you have a tree and you want to have a little bit better view and it's it's not an old growth tree, you should be able to cut it, no questions asked. In my in my mind, you know.
1: In most cases, you can, unless you're in one of our special areas, uh, like a critical area or the shoreline, um, and then the city. So tends how, to how care big more is the critical
0: that. area though? It seemed like, you know, some of the critical area was on High School Road and in the middle there where the forest was. Um. Across from Mandis Olson. You know from what I'm talking about?
1: Um, are you re- talking about a specific project? Or
0: well, there's a property then the guy deforested a bit of the forest to make it healthier.
1: Oh, on High School Road. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: And then he got he got rustled a bit with the critical area ordinance, and he wanted to build his dream house, and he had all that property, and he uh, enjoys being a steward of the land and, you know, worked really hard for that spot. And then came where there's he had to have X amount of native plants and, and a percentage of his property had to be deemed for the city and
1: uh, So I wrote that regulation. Uh <laughs> and I'm familiar with that property, although okay. I left the city before um it was figured out. So
0: Do you think that's a fair situation for a person like that?
1: That's a that's a I'd say Almost one off um, because he was already engaged with, uh, I think, the state in terms of a forest stewardship program. Um, and so what the the rule or the standard that you're talking about is in the critical areas ordinance and what it's called is the aquifer recharge protection area. Uh, so if you hit a, a certain threshold of, of development or land disturbing activity, uh, which is tied to our site assessment review um, through our stormwater regulations. So we tried to make this, the, the triggers, if you will, or thresholds after which you had to do something or required to do something the same. Um, so that people didn't have to keep all these different numbers straight. So when you go over a certain amount of land-disturbing activity or new what are called hard surfaces, like driveways or um, structures, then you have to designate what's called an aquifer recharge protection area. And this is only within our conservation area, which is the 80% of the island. It's our low-density residential zones, um, the R0.4, 1, and 2. Um, And uh, so what it is is that you have to um, designate um, the ARPA, which is up to 65% of the native vegetation that is currently on the property. So if you have 100% um, native forest, then you have to designate 65% of it as your ARPA. And it's in the critical areas ordinance. It's the aquifer recharge protection area because it is intended to uh, protect um, our aquifer, because we're a sole source aquifer. It's our only source of drinking water. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because we have an unknown carrying capacity and there is not a uh, 100% assurance that we have enough groundwater for the development that we need to plan for mm-hmm. per our Growth Management Act um, allocations, um, we took the precautionary principle approach, which is what our comprehensive plan says we should, um, and, and said uh, the best way to... Uh, protect our aquifer is to protect this, these chunks of native vegetation um, right. on property. I'm
0: gonna give me another test. The property <laughs> on sands that was clear cut for agriculture and that was like three hundred trees or whatever. That and
1: rule's gone. That whole section of the code. It was called vegetation management. It was not in the critical areas ordinance. It was in the environment section of sixteen twenty two. So. Um, we repealed that. The city repealed that um, allowance, basically. And what that was was that uh, they are a threshold, there are percentages of properties, and that, again, is in our low-density residential zone. It's in the R0.4, and so you could have um, cleared a certain percentage. It, there was uh, an allowance if you had a farm plan from the Kitsap Conservation yeah, they have District. Like then one you could plant clear, in one
0: it. pot in that whole area.
1: Yeah, I actually um, reviewed that uh, project uh, when I was on staff. Um, and I'll just say it, it's a disaster. Um, and the I th- don't think that the city uh, has done a, their job in um, following up that they – because they're supposed to have a farm. Because they were allowed to do that because they had a farm plan. Um, mm. That project was um, – Was a real challenge. Um, And, yeah, they're supposed to have a farm there, and I haven't seen the farm. Uh, No, those people
0: moved here and have zero friends. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. You know, because they've cleared so much timber out of there. Well, and,
1: and, you know, I don't know them. I I don't either. I interacted with them uh, on a professional, you know, applicant level. Um, And... uh, they were allowed to do that. Our code let them do that. So it's not like it's a code violation. It's not like they cleared their property and they weren't allowed. to. What was the backstory
0: to? about them getting a GoFundMe to uh, obtain legal counsel to go through this process? Is I that a true story?
1: Know. I do not know. They, okay. There was a legal process associated with it. Yeah, uh, because the. The permit was approved, but there were a number of conditions attached to it, and they appealed a number of those conditions. And so that – we did go to the hearing examiner over who, that.
0: Who repealed them?
1: They appealed the they, conditions, the applicants, the owners of the property. Oh, okay. Yeah. So – and honestly, I cannot remember the details of that project, um, but it's typical if you have a permit um, and then you get it approved, but there'll be a list of conditions. If you if you followed Wintergreen at all, that yeah. pro- that project, I think they're or the Winslow Hotel, they have sixty or eighty conditions attached to the approval. Yeah. So it's not uncommon that it's a hotel kind of still, it's kind of a yes but
0: <laughs> is the hotel still in the mix? Or not currently, that? no. No. Mm-mm. But the Wintergreen property is a done deal now?
1: The wintergreen property was approved by the hearing examiner because that's who has the approval authority on that type of project, uh, and it was appealed um, by Virginia Mason. So that is now they they submitted an appeal to Kitsap Superior Court under, I believe, the Lupa or the Land Use Petition Act, um, and I'm not quite sure. I did I haven't seen it, so I don't know what their issues are, mm. uh, how, what their what, what their problem is with it. But um, so probably it, a
0: traffic flow, right?
1: My guess would be traffic and parking. Uh, There was never a parking plan provided for um, the Wintergreen project. And Mm -hmm. the original, my understanding is the original commercial development um, had some shared parking. Uh, So, but when you, um, it was a commercial development and parking requirements are different for commercial and residential. So... My guess is they're they're missing a few parking spaces, um, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, um, the applicant was never required to submit a parking plan prior to approval um, so that still um, remains to be seen that um, what that parking plan will be yeah
0: um, that's weird because I was thinking about um, getting a, a small commercial facility in the city. the first thing they asked was for a traffic flow study and the spot that I have picked out, and I don't want to say it on the air so nobody snags it um, has zero parking issues really, and uh, the business adjacent had already done a parking study you know a few mm-hmm. years prior, so I didn't know why that was such a, a stickler for the city, but to find out a, a project you know like 70 condominiums doesn't have a
1: Well they had a traffic impact analysis okay they did. Just not a parking. Right. Just not a final (laughs) parking plan.
0: Nowhere to put the cars. Okay. Yeah. It's just on the Hot Wheel track. It's round and round. Okay. So we're going to have Valley Parking just driving the car around the building all day? We'll see. What are some major fails that you witnessed on city council?
1: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, fails? Um, I don't even know. Fails.
0: Well, the mobility one, but that was a little before your time. Oh,
1: yeah, that was way before my time. Um, we ha- we haven't had any uh, um levies to fail.
0: I mean, yeah, there's been very little laws written in during the pandemic, um, huh?
1: Yeah, I mean, we haven't. I mean, in my time, I we I can't really, you know, we didn't.
0: How about the COVID relief money? Do you think you did the right thing with with that, with the allocation of it?
1: Yeah, I just think we did it too late. Um, You're kind of
0: like Joe giving us masks now. (laughs) Two years later, here's a free mask.
1: Well, I think that, I mean, we're a small jurisdiction. We're a a city council that we all have other jobs. Um, We don't know. We don't understand what we should be doing with relief funds. And so my opinion was that we should, uh, we should do grants um, as other people are doing and, and mm-hmm. kind of coattail onto other programs that are already set up and not try to do our own thing. Uh, and, but for whatever reason, the, the um, ad hoc committee on the council decided to do something different which never came to fruition, and so then we just did grants uh, at, at the very – you know, at the end of the day, that's what I think we ended up doing was just um, Is using, that money
0: all allocated now?
1: I think so. Um, they ended up going through Kitsap County, I think, and um, the Bremerton program um, and allocating small business grants or grants now, to small businesses.
0: Now, were those grants put out to just nonprofit businesses? No. no. Okay. Good. No was it just Winslow corridor or all businesses island wide
1: there was no geographic uh restrictions restrictions yeah
0: okay see this is why we have to do this to get the facts and not the rumors
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i think that um i am not the best person to ask about that um, but uh I, there weren't geographic restrictions that mm-hmm. i can remember or that no
0: What are your thoughts about the new uh, city manager, Blair King?
1: I like him. I would say that was a success on council to get him. Um, You know, I think that there'll be some transition. Um, I think we're really fortunate to have an experienced city manager. I think we've um, lacked that. Um, I think he will help us. I think that um, when we were going through the hiring process – Bainbridge is a tough spot. Um, and we saw, I forget how many people applied, maybe close to 30. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, he was my first pick. He was my first pick from day one, actually. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, did he ever rescind his application no. over something? No. Somebody did, right?
1: Um, Wasn't there a mix? Yeah, we had three top candidates, um, and one of them did not – one of them – Um, dropped out before the interview process um and then uh what was that all about i don't know what that was about um i we never talked with him um i never talked with him um so I, i don't know why he he dropped out um and the um then we had two candidates that we interviewed um and a council person um Really put in a, um, you know, a hard drive against Blair, basically, and was and was really advocating for um, the other candidate. Um, and we had a we had a meeting about it, mm-hmm. uh, and after that meeting is when um, we uh, voted to select Blair, but it was a split vote. I think it might have been four to three. Um, but after that, the other candidate dropped out. So
0: you then, don't get to vote. <laughs> You're stuck with me, huh?
1: So we had we voted, um, but then we had this. It was contingent on, upon um, this uh, public meeting, this public mm-hmm. interview with Blair, where um, the public could write in questions that they wanted someone to ask, and so that was that was a Q and A facilitated by the former mayor um, with him. Um, and I found that interesting. I thought he did a terrific job. Um, and one of the things he said, I think, more than once is that, well, that would be a good question for your, for a city council member. Um, because... He's been and he was all throughout the interview process and he he's clear. He understands our form of government mm-hmm. and I don't think our community understands our form of government. No. Because they don't understand the role of the city manager versus the role of the council. Um and that was really clear in a so number of those questions. So, who works? Um the the city manager works for the council. Um and then and so uh the only person on staff that council has anything to say anything about is the city manager, and so the council directs the city manager um, but the city manager is there to help forward and achieve council objectives and and goals, but they don't have a dog in the fight mm-hmm. they're they're not pushing an agenda, and I think that in the past, what we've seen with some city managers is that it seemed pretty clear they had their own agenda um and i didn't i don't sense that with blair i think he's really focused on running a municipal corporation Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things i said during the 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 interview or hiring process is that yes we need someone to help us run this organization um but we're still a little bit country um, I don't think we need layers and layers of bureaucracy to get things done, just for the sake of bureaucracy, just for the sake of running an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that he has he understands that, and I think he's really action oriented in terms of. Um, I mean, I went to his office and I said, "You know, can we do this?" Or this seems pretty simple. And you know, sometimes he would say. Christy, I know, you're always saying this should be simple, and for whatever reason, it's just not. <laughs> uh, but he would also just say, oh, okay, it is, and we'll do that, and then it would be done. And I, and every at the end of every meeting, it was, what else can I do to help you? And that was so refreshing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just really feel like he's there to help the council and help the community, and I— um, I think he'll do a good job. I think he, is, he was looking for a place to relocate, and um, his wife is a total delight, and um, I think that they're um, enjoying the island, and um, I, I think he'll be here a while.
0: All right. Shout out to you, Blair. You got a good recommendation from former councilwoman Christy Carr, but uh, you still need to return my emails, bro, because <laughs> um, I'd love to have you on and introduce you to uh, the community for sure. So shout out to Blair King. Come on the show. What surprised you the most about being on city council that you just never saw coming? Was it the drama? Was it the long meetings? Was it something that just popped up that you never saw coming?
1: It certainly wasn't the long, long meetings because I had been in long council meetings as a staff person. So, if anything, the meetings got shorter when I was on council. Um, but I would, I would just say what you saw. I mean, the kind of sideshow. I was, I was just floored. Um, that surprised me. I, I really hadn't ever been a part of that. Um, and
0: can you be more specific about sideshow because there was quite a few sideshows. Well,
1: I think that we really um, stepped in it over. Um, the um, planning commission um, selection and the city council selection. We had two people who were appointed, myself and um, Brenda. Um, Hi, Brenda. Ben Roy Johnson. Um, and we didn't do a good job. We didn't display good governance in those situations. Um, and I think we were talking about race and racial equity, um, and that was messy. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that got personal, Uh, and, and that, um, that was hard. That surprised me. Um, and, and.
0: That was some bullshit. (laughs) Well, I I like to talk about race and I'm willing to talk about race anytime, anywhere. And I really felt like the way that was handled was really poor.
1: It was exceptionally poor. Yeah. Um, and I include myself in that for sure. Oh, it's good of Um, you to own that. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Um, and I think that we 're all learning, right, um, hopefully, I, yeah, yeah, and I definitely learned i um, that but that was a surprise, I guess, just to be so personally attacked, um, particularly from people who who don 't know me, um, and uh, what were
0: you getting attacked about
1: oh, uh, being a white woman
0: you can 't change your spots
1: i can 't, um, but I think that people were making assumptions about me that aren 't true, and it just was really surprising that people would take those leaps without knowing me or having a conversation yeah, with me. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, so, you know, the hate mail's real. Uh, and um, But I came out of it just knowing my truth and having to just mm. be okay with that. Um, I work for the city of Seattle. They've had a race and social justice, justice initiative for over a decade. Um, and I am, I am in it every day. It is at the forefront of the work we do. So it's not... Like this was new for me, um, but it was, it was surprising that it got so personal so quickly. Um, and, um, but otherwise, I, I don't think I had many surprises. I think I, I was somewhat surprised um, at, uh, I thought maybe if a council person asked for something to get done, it would. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that wasn't always the case, and it seemed that um, at a point on some things, uh, it just didn't seem to go anywhere. And I guess I just thought, um, huh. <laughs> I, uh, so that, that was surprising sometimes that I got so much pushback um, on what I thought were pretty simple things. Mm-hmm. Um, and some I'll, people it,
0: like to push back just to push back. Well, and they and, like the argument yeah.
1: I mean, and I'll just give you the example. It's the no parking signs at um, the Grand Forest entrance. And and I was told that, um, well, we can have a conversation about it next summer. And I said, well, so, you know, these cars are blocking uh, pedestrians from being able to see when they cross to the Forest to Sky Trail. Between mm-hmm. now and the summer, when you want to start to have a conversation, we could have a really serious accident. So what I'm asking for are a couple of signs and some paint. That's not <laughs> – mm-hmm. can we just do that, please? And and I just continued to get no. And that was surprising. I was like, hmm, okay.
0: Uh, so Sometimes it gets done. I, I live by the high school, and I wanted the crosswalk as you come over the top of the crest because mm-hmm. some, sometimes the sun is right in your eyes mm-hmm. or there's the maritime fog in the morning. And – there was no reflective stuff in the in the crosswalk and then there's only one street light directly over the crosswalk so it's kind of a blind little hill there and all the kids are crossing and getting dropped off and there was more than one time where i was surprised by somebody in the road you know just going 10 miles out of off my road there and uh, it was just a couple months and new crosswalk signs and full illumination on the pole, poles and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Still could be lit a little bit better, but I was I was thankful that I could ask for something and they saw the the value in it, you mm-hmm. know, and, and things changed. Because at that point, I think there was four pedestrians that were hit that year in crosswalks. And it's one thing to put a crosswalk up, but to uh, have it a useful one where people can see it and people right. slow down. The flags are one thing, um, but reflection... is huge
1: yeah yeah it's so dark on this island
0: yeah especially so much of the year last couple months you know Mm -hmm. it's just been rain and fog and darkness so yeah and then the kids don't know any better they there's crosswalk i'm free to walk through this well you still gotta look kid and if my kid was gonna use that crosswalk two times a day for four years i wanted to make sure it was safe
1: yeah i think that um you know the um the neighborhood traffic calming uh project i think uh, the city tried to do a pretty good job of uh soliciting ideas from people all across the island i think they ended up i don't know how far and wide the you know the shout out went like we're trying and that's always a challenge i think because you know you're interested in this stuff i'm interested in this stuff but my my high end estimate of people who are paying attention is maybe 5%. percent mm-hmm. um, And, okay. Um, but in terms of if the city has something they'd like to help you do or they want to do that's a good thing, how can they communicate? Um, how can they yeah. get the word out? And, that's
0: why I was so impressed with Kobe Connects. But then mm-hmm. that little newsletter died over the pandemic. So, you know, for 18 months or whatever, we're not in the loop on a regular mailing, you know? Right. Which, yeah, uh, I thought that was giving people more than just the opinion of the newspaper.
1: Yeah, I, I like hoping it connects. Um, I shout out to Kristen Drew, who's the um, communications um,
0: who still hasn't come on the podcast. <laughs> Let's go, Drew. <laughs>
1: She's phenomenal. She's a good girl. Um, she's a, a force of nature, and she tries so hard. Um, and I think she does a really good job. I think oh, she needs more too. resources. Um, and, and, again, she just tries. She, she really wants to be a good communicator, a good communication resource um, for the city. And she's behind Kobe Connects, and I think mm-hmm. has done a really good job uh, with Well, here's that. another
0: platform for you, Drew.
1: <laughs> Come
0: out here and talk yeah. about it because it's one thing to read about it, but to have longer conversations um, – I think would be behoove all of Kobe. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, I was saying about the um the neighborhood traffic calming, I think they got maybe um 300 uh unique um or 300 uh ideas from neighbors to um for projects.
0: And they went with putting cones right down the middle of the lane.
1: <laughs> well, and then so but but that's um so I guess in terms of like, oh, if it's a one-off crosswalk or if, if you want something done or if somebody else, I know a woman who who claims ownership over a crosswalk down on, on Winslow, um, you know, had to work a long time to get that crosswalk in. And it's something that she uses every day. Um, so uh, I wish there was more of a system because – It's like, well, should your request be granted or should her request be granted or is there, you know, now with these neighborhood traffic calming projects, there's, you know, 300 came in the door, but council only looked at 50 or 20 or 10. Why? Mm -hmm. And I think that that transparency of um, what are your criteria and and do we all agree with them? And are we, are we, are we, when are we talking about it? Because if council is going to be approving something, if they're approving 10 projects, well- are those t- have those 10 projects been vetted by staff based on criteria that the council approved? Or are we supposed to trust staff that they got the criteria and the vetting process right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I tend to get into the weeds on stuff like that. Other council members just say, staff tells us these are the 10 best. We'll choose from these. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I think that council's presented with door number one or two, and it's actually, I want, it, I want door number three. Uh, mm-hmm. And and or I want both doors.
0: Well, and yeah. and just
1: i um, you know it's just that's again like what's the role of a council person? Is it to trust staff? Is it to question staff? Is it to do their own homework? Is it to just read what's presented to them in front of them in a council agenda packet? Um, so
0: yeah. how, how do you know your role, right?
1: Yeah, well, and 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 I think. Also, it's overwhelming the amount of information that a council person has to deal with on any given Tuesday. And council gets the packet when you get the packet. Whatever mm-hmm. time of night it's published uh, for the public on a Friday, that's when council's getting it. So there may be things in that agenda packet that council has looked at before. Um, but if not, then that's new information for the council and, and – um, You've got, what, the weekend?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Spend your weekend reading a 400-page agenda packet?
0: Tell me, tell me <laughs> I'm wrong about short turnarounds, too. Um, it seems to me, and this could be way off base, and if it is, go ahead. Smack me upside the head. It seems like there'll be a construction project on the 12th, and then below the reading of the construction project, be like, open for public comment on the 11th. So it d- doesn't seem like there's a uh, space between public comment and the actual take action moment. Um, do you see that happening or is there a lack of public comment or um, what would you call it? A systems or measures of, of public comment? Because it seems like talking to people, they would like to have some input in it and don't seem to find out in time about – where they can put their public comment mm-hmm. as things happen, because s- things somewhat happen quickly when they do start to progress.
1: Are you talking about public projects?
0: Yeah, new construction, you know, and uh, stuff like that. I, you know, there's, there'll be a yellow sign that says Kobe uh-huh. comes to whatever. Right. This house is going to get demolished tomorrow.
1: Well, if you're seeing a yellow sign, it's it's for either a um, public meeting or it's for mm-hmm. a public comment period. Right. And, and by statute, that's either 14 or 21 days.
0: Okay. So it, so it kind of
1: depends on when you, when you saw the see sign. the sign because it could – the sign – it's like political signs. you know. They come up – they come down when some, they get knocked down or when someone decides to take them down. So it could be that, yeah, you're looking at the sign and, oh, that public comment period is over or it's – Ends mm. tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so there is for um, projects that require that public uh, comment period. There's a radius around it of uh, 500 feet. So people who live within 500 feet should get something in the mail that says this is happening. And here's 500
0: feet. That's like mm-hmm. one neighbor, right?
1: It can be on the island. Mm-hmm. I mean, many more people are getting those notices in in Winslow or Linwood. Um, but yeah, on the um, so. Anyway, so that's, the, it, that's the, the process. Is it listed
0: on Kobe's website or Kobe Connects where public comment for this, that, and the third project is happening?
1: So Kobe Connects doesn't have that, I don't think. Um, there is a section on the city's webpage uh, that is called – and you can sign up for these notifications, actually. And they're called Proposed Land Use Actions. Uh, and that's Those are listed there. Um, So anything that has that public comment period or has one of those yellow signs, that's a proposed land use action. And so um, those are listed on the website. um, And they're hyperlinks to the application um, so you can read what it is. Um, But, again, if you go onto the city's website, and I think it's something like um, sign up for notices, and it's the whole list of listservs that you can get. So Mm -hmm. that's actually – a great place for people to go depending on what they're interested in. There's one, there's usually one for city projects um, kind of depending on the scope and scale. Um, But like for the sustainable transportation plan, that process, there's a listserv that'll tell you about when the meetings are and, and there's a whole website for it. There's the proposed land use actions. um, So you'll, You'll get dinged anytime one comes up. You'll get an email. Um, there's one for the Planning Commission, so you can get um, all of the agendas for the Planning Commission. There's certainly one for council. Um, the list is long. If you go on that, um, the uh, any committee, you can get on a listserv for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a way to find out, um, but you just have to know where to look, I guess.
0: Yeah, we need to wrap this up. Um, is there anything you'd like to see – for the future of Bainbridge Island happen now that you're a regular old citizen?
1: Well, um, some things... uh, I think with my... Folks think I have all this time now that I'm not on council. (laughs) I didn't have time before, so... um, One of my biggest interests really is um, food and farming and farmland, Um, and so I think I'll I'll probably return to that. I'd love to see us have a a robust farmland preservation program uh, on the island. I'm Um, part
0: of Friends of the Farm.
1: Yeah, I'm a former... Board president and right. board member. Um, it seems
0: like there's a new one every year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an interesting organization. Um, I was just chatting with them last week and hope to be more involved and, and kind of um, revitalize their efforts on farm, farmland preservation. One of my dreams is to do a food levy um, with the school district um, to um, – have uh, local food served in our schools. Um, We have had some of that before, but not in a really systemic or um, institutional way. Um, And there's a lot of... That's a great idea. And I think, you know, we passed $15 million tech levies. Um, Why Mm. not feed our kids? Um, We're not eligible for um, farm-to-table school grant funds because um, not enough of our kids luckily um, are eligible for the free lunch program. Um, So we don't have that state funding capability for those programs that are already available. Um, So I'd love to see our community rally around our, not only our farmers, our farmland, um, but our kids and um, getting good food into the school lunch program. And one other thing that I'm really excited about, I'm working with squeaky wheels, um, To launch a Bike Buddies program um, because I think that one way you get more people biking um, is you see more people biking. And so we're going to have on the Squeaky Wheels website an opportunity for people to sign up to say, hey, I want to go ride my bike from – this point to that point, and then they get, they're going to get matched with someone, a mentor, if you will, who's a, an experienced rider um, who will show them the way and can talk gear and um, just to kind of take some of the fear factor out of riding and just to hopefully motivate people to, you know, have a buddy. It's always more yeah. fun.
0: Well, shout-out to Grady Cycles there on a Day Road who fixed my bike up real well recently. Um, shout-out to Geezers of Fury and week uh, squeaky wheel posse. Um, I do think that if we're going to continue to have the chilly hilly and call ourselves a bike-friendly island, we need to make it bike-friendly. Um, like I said, I crashed there on Eagle Harbor. There was a huge rut in the asphalt that caught my front tire and flipped me over. Um, there's dangerous you know gravel and road crumbling away on on the sides and there's places where you just can't get your bike off the road and then look at Fletcher Bay with all those big trucks coming by it can be scary at times on a bicycle here on this island and I would like to see this become a more non-motorized friendly island you know at least on the on the long roads that you see you know whether it be sunset to you know um Bloedel reserve or getting to the south end of the island you know where there's so many great places to to bicycle and
1: uh it's a challenge no doubt and um i'm i'm a i'm part of the one or two percent of um you know
0: fearless riders that don't care
1: i'm not fearless and that's my point really is that i'm confident but i'm not fearless um i think that Mm. i have i have Near misses I have um, moments of discomfort for sure um, and and that's unfortunate and I definitely um, you know wish my high school kid would ride his bike to school but um, uh, he did last year uh, but that was more because either there was no bus or I think we opted out of the bus because of covid um, but I, I mean was I it think
0: bicycle to school day. <laughs>
1: You know, we try to, yeah, I just think that um, it's a challenge um, to, to uh, for so many reasons uh, here on this island to create that um, both perceived and actual levels of safety, because mm-hmm. I think that they're different. And I think that if we focus a little bit uh, of our energy on that perceived level of safety, because, um, you know, people who have never ridden their bike, they've just been told or they have a perception that it's not safe, um or but um I think that uh that's a perception um and if you get somebody comfortable riding um mm-hmm. they they will maybe have a mind shift uh, or shift of perspective that's not to say that um there are some parts of our island and some roads that you basically have the fog line if that um and if you're sharing it with a Bainbridge disposal double load um Good luck. not not fun not, not, and it's comfort too you know and that's mm-hmm. a that's a motivator i think for people to get out on their bicycles if it's not a comfortable ride you don't have a lot of incentive to do it.
0: Yeah. All right. Former Councilwoman Christy Carr, thank you for your time today.
1: You bet. Thanks for having me.
0: My pleasure. It's really nice to make your acquaintance. and Likewise. Find a new friend.
1: Keep doing what you're doing.
0: Thank you. I appreciate good that. Be a resource. Um, I hope to continue to be a good resource for this island. And uh, with that said, please support us on Patreon.com. You've been listening to Bystander. Be kind. Thank you very much.